Hey, Lauren. And may God add his blessing to the reading of the scripture this morning. And may the words from my mouth be just what we need to hear. There are some jokes that are so bad that they need to be retold, and that's why I tell jokes every Sunday morning. So if any of you remember me telling this story, keep that in mind, okay? There was once a fisherman. This fisherman and his wife were blessed with twin sons. They loved their sons both very much, but they couldn't think of what to name them. And so after a few days, they decided to just wait and decide later what to name them. After several weeks had passed, the fisherman and his wife noticed something. When they were left alone, one of the boys would turn toward the sea, and the other one would always face inland. It didn't matter which way they faced them, they would always turn around, and the one child would face toward the ocean or toward the sea, and the other one toward the land. And the fisherman one day said, hey, that's it. Let's name the boys towards and away, since one is always looking towards the sea, and one is always looking away. And so they did. His wife agreed. The years passed by, and the boys grew tall and strong. And the day came when the fisherman said to his son, Boys, it's time that you learned how to make a living from the sea. And so they supplied their boat and got everything ready. They said their goodbyes, and they set sail for a three-month voyage. Well, something went wrong, and a year passed by, and then two years. And finally, the fisherman's wife feared that all three of her men were gone and had been lost at sea. And then one day, the grieving lady saw one lone man walking toward her house. It was her husband. My goodness, she said, I'm so glad to see you. But where are my boys? Well, he said, we were just barely one whole day out to sea when Tords hooked a big fish. He fought long and hard, but the fish was more than his equal. And for a whole week, they wrestled on the waves without either of them letting up. And eventually, the great fish started to win the battle, and Tords was pulled over the side of the ship. He was swallowed whole, and we'll never see him again. Oh, dear, she said. That's terrible. What a huge fish that must have been to do that to towards. And he said, yes, it was. But you should have seen the one that got away. Okay, it's bad. But I wanted to tell that story to prepare you to hear, once again, the old story of Noah. Noah? Not Noah. Jonah, the other guy. Jonah and the big fish. God came to Jonah and told him, as I was telling the kids, to go to Nineveh, which is a wicked city. And he told him to go there and preached against it because its wickedness had come before him. In other words... Jonah's job was to proclaim God's judgment on Nineveh's sins, okay? But Jonah didn't want to go there. Jonah didn't like those people. In fact, he hated those people. 
and they were enemies of the Israelites. So when, Noah, when God came to him and told him to preach to the people of Nineveh, Jonah went, as I said, in the opposite direction. He boarded a ship traveling to Tarshish at the opposite end of the world. He was running from God. Jonah didn't understand that there is no escape from God. You've probably heard sermons before on the foolishness of trying to run from God. Yet all we, do, we all do it at some time in our lives. We tune God out. We ignore the voice that calls us to serve our neighbor, to serve our church, to give a little bit more, to serve our God in another way. There was a period in my life where I turned, tuned God out and I sort of did my own thing for a while. Without realizing it, I think I was at that point running from my calling as well. So we all do it. Jonah tried to flee from his calling. But what happened? I just told the story. The ship that he was on met a vicious storm and it was tossed around on the waves like a toy. The winds and the waves were so fierce that the sailors begged their gods for mercy, it says. And then finally they cast lots to decide who the gods were angry with. And they said, who is responsible for this, for making all this trouble? And the lot, it says, fell upon Jonah. And Jonah admitted that he had displeased his God by running from his presence. And so they asked him, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? And Jonah said, throw me in and it'll, it'll become calm. I know it's my fault that this storm has come. Well, these guys didn't want to throw Jonah overboard. They did their best to row the boat back to land, but they couldn't. And the sea got wilder. And then they cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, don't let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. And then they took Jonah and they threw him overboard. And the sea calmed down. And then the Bible tells us that God appointed a fish, a big fish, to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of that fish for three days and three nights. Did you know that Jesus referred to this story? One time when he was with a group of doubters, he told them that the only sign that they would receive would be the sign of Jonah. That he, would, he meant that he would emerge from the grave on the third day just like Jonah emerged from the belly of that fish. Now, we all know the story up to this point. The fish, after three days, coughs Jonah up onto the dry land, and he's, he's okay. Then the Lord comes to Jonah a second time, and he tells him again to go to preach to Nineveh. And this time, Jonah does not argue. He goes to Nineveh, and he preaches like he never preached before, I'll bet. Forty days and the Lord will destroy this city. Forty days is all you have to repent. And then something amazing happened. The scripture says the people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed a fast and they put on sackcloth. They did all the things that, they, that were required by God in those days. And even the king of Nineveh, we're told, repented. And he dressed in sackcloth and he issued a decree of total surrender to God's will. 
Every sinner repented, every heart was changed. You would think that Jonah would be happy about this, wouldn't you? You'd think he would rejoice because God had, had given, it, given them the victory and these people had all repented and turned to God, but nope. The very thing that Jonah feared the most had happened. God changed his mind and decided not to destroy Nineveh. Then comes one of the most fascinating sentences in all of the Bible. It says, but to Jonah... Now, these people have gotten right with God. They've done what they should have done. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. And he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? This is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I know that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding to love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better to me to die than to live. Do you hear what he's saying? Can you believe it? Jonah had preached to these people. They had repented. And because they had repented, God changed his mind about destroying their city and destroying them. Jonah should have been thrilled. But no, instead, he was so upset that God changed his mind about destroying these people. He was so angry that he asked God to take his life. So angry that he literally wanted to die. Then Jonah went out on a hill overlooking the city to see what would happen to Nineveh, to see if God was, would agree with him and would go ahead and destroy the city. And at this point, God decides to have a little fun with this grumpy prophet. God makes a plant grow near Jonah to give him some shade while he's sitting and pouting. And Jonah likes that plant. He'd been sitting in the sun all day, pouting in that hot sun. And now if he's going to sit there, he figures that until he dies, at least he'll be comfortable. He won't be hot. But then dawn comes the next morning, and God sends a worm to attack that plant that's shading Jonah. So the plant dies. Then God sends a hot east wind, and the sun beats down on Jonah, and he's miserable. The heat is so intense that he faints. And then it tells us that the heat made him so uncomfortable and so angry that again he says to God, just let me die. But then God speaks to Jonah. God asks Jonah if he is angry over the plant dying, first of all. Jonah says, of course he is. Angry enough to die. And then God teaches Jonah a lesson. Listen to what he says. You have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend to it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and it died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left? And that's how the book of Jonah ends with God asking him that question. Scholars believe that when it says 120,000 persons who, cannot know, who don't know their right hand from their left, that's referring to young kids in the city. So it was a huge city, probably a population of a million or more people. This is a lesson that Jonah learned that day. God's love 
If you don't take anything else from our message today, take this. God's love is a universal love. God's love was as certain for the people of Nineveh as it is for the people of Jerusalem or New York City or Chicago or San Francisco or Phoenix or Peru, Illinois. God does not have respect for nations or races or even religions. God loves all people, white people, black people, rich people, poor people, old people, young people, straight people, gay people, trans people, immigrants, all people. God is not interested in labels, professions, or philosophies. He just doesn't care about any of that. God is only interested in people. The scripture says in John 3.16, God so loved the world. It doesn't say God so loved North America or English-speaking people or conservatives or liberals or anything else like that. God so loved the world. That's the gospel. That's the truth. Friends, we have to learn to live together. We must learn to respect each other as members of a single family of God. I don't want to drive this into the ground, but this is what the book of Jonah is about. The lesson we take from that book is that God loves everybody. Jews, Gentiles, Arabs, Africans, the people of Nineveh, the people of Israel, everyone. There is no place in the kingdom of God for any kind of hatred, racial, religious, or national, or anything else. We all belong to one great family, and Jesus died for every one of us. Your sins, for my sins, but also for the sins of people that we hate. Years ago, one man told a story of having lunch at a little inn, and across the bottom of the menu were these words. Only Christians serve here. Being quite naive, he said to his friends that it was refreshing to find a place that was interested in the Christian life. And one of his friends said, you're missing the point. They mean that Christians are welcome here, but Jews are not. That means that Jesus wouldn't have been welcome there. Any place where any of God's children are not welcome, Jesus is not welcome. There's a lot of hatred in our land for certain people, for people of certain nationalities, for people of certain religions. But the demand for us to love all people is still with us. The little children's song says it best. Jesus loves the little children of the world, all the children of the world. Red and yellow, black and white, all are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. God loves the children of the world. God loves the adults, all of them. This is our lesson from Jonah. Amen.